Welcome to Week 15 Podcast. Here, fantasy football season is now. We aren't just trying to make the playoffs. We're here to win them. I'm Jonathan. I'm Tyler. We've been talking about starting this fantasy football podcast for years. There's so many out there, and we knew that if we wanted to start one, we'd have to be different. And we promise we will be. Our focus on Week 15 matchups and details will start next week after the NFL schedule is announced. Why Week 15? Because that's when our fantasy football playoffs start, and we're going to get you there. Every decision we make from now till then can be the difference between a championship or a first-round exit. Here's some background info on us. We've been best friends since we were nine. Our families are very close. Actually, our wives are upstairs playing with our kids right now. We played football and baseball together all through high school. I, Jonathan, played college football at Taylor University. I played quarterback and started for two seasons. I coached for a few years in high school before going back to coach at TU for one season. I was a youth pastor and a teacher for five years. Throughout all of that, I started my own business, Brothers and Cards, which will be the main sponsor for this podcast in the foreseeable future. We are a sports cards company that loves to share the hobby with everyone, regardless of budget. We have 499 auctions running all the time on our eBay store. We do breaks on our Facebook group. And we run the best subscription box in the hobby. The NFL is literally part of my job, and I love staying connected to the game in that way. I believe this makes me uniquely aware of fantasy football trends and opportunities as I invest in the cards of players who I believe will be good. If I wasn't good at this, I wouldn't have a 10-year, million-dollar business. I'm Tyler. I played college football at Anderson University. Uh, I was fortunate enough to start my freshman year at linebacker and got some time at long snapper as well. Uh, I've been coaching high school football for nearly six years now. I'm a teacher at a local high school here in central Indiana, and I'm a fantasy football geek. I love making spreadsheets, projections, uh, analyzing statistics, advanced metrics, you name it. Uh, I am in more fantasy football leagues than I like to admit, but if you know any leagues who need a guy, let me know. I'm also a commissioner of a longtime league with my buddies for about five years now. We are excited to get to the Week 15 matchups and all that. The schedule comes out next week. For this episode, our first ever episode, we're going to be talking about the 2023 NFL Draft. Our reactions and hot takes are coming, and we're going to start with the number one overall pick, Bryce Young. The Carolina Panthers traded away two first-round picks, two second-round picks, plus DJ Moore to acquire the number one overall pick from the Chicago Bears. That's just crazy high to me. Uh, The only knock on Bryce Young is his size, which of course brings his durability into question. He injured his shoulder against Arkansas, but he only missed one week, and he played actually pretty well once he returned. This is a legitimate concern, uh, but one thing every analyst will tell you is that Bryce Young is very, very slippery, and he knows how to avoid taking big hits. I always say this about quarterbacks at any level. If size is the only issue, then it's not an issue. Bryce Young is the perfect quarterback in every aspect of the position other than size. His Heisman campaign in 2021 was remarkable. I would argue that his 2022 season was just as impressive. With an obviously weaker Alabama team, he led in winning fashion all year long. He had multiple game-winning drives. Even in those two losses, which were in some of the most hostile environments in college football, in front of 100,000 people at Tennessee, he led Alabama into field goal range to win the game. He did his job. The kicker missed and gave Hooker 30 seconds to snag the W, and he did. But Bryce Young did his job. He led Alabama to overtime in Death Valley against LSU. On the first drive, he led a touchdown drive in overtime. They kicked the extra point. LSU scored a touchdown, went for two, and got it. Alabama lost, but when Bryce Young was on the field, he nailed it. My absolute favorite thing about Bryce Young this past season is with, again, a worse Alabama team, he cut his sacks in half. When we look at that Heisman season, 
which was just last year, he threw 43 touchdowns. Those are not planet earth numbers. That is phenomenal, especially for a team that's known for running the ball. And this year he had 27 touchdowns, which is still good. More of a normal quarterback uh, experience at Alabama. That makes sense to me. I don't see that as a huge drop-off. I see it as a Heisman guarantee, and then this year a really good quarterback. When I look at interceptions, last year he threw four. This year he threw five. That is, you know, that's awesome. That's great. When I look at sacks, last year, as the Heisman winner, he got sacked 33 times. Now, that's kind of a lot, but he threw a lot of passes. This year, he only got sacked 16 times. Again, with the worst Alabama team. He only got sacked 16 times. Cutting that stat in half, man, nothing says I'm ready for the NFL like protecting the ball and getting it out in a timely fashion. Let's talk about Young's landing spot. You just talked about sacks. He's coming into a Carolina Panthers team that has a wonderful offensive line. It is very rare in the NFL that every single starting lineman from the year prior comes back. This offseason, they extended center Bradley Bozeman. And Austin Corbett did tear his ACL in Week 18, but he is on schedule to return possibly by week one. We'll have to wait and see. And another key factor is that Frank Reich retained offensive line coach James Campen. Andy Dalton is there, who is a great football guy. For Absolutely. Man. Anytime you can get a, like a veteran guy like that. I mean, I don't know how many starts Andy Dalton's had in his career, but he's going to be able to help a lot with Bryce Young. I mean, he's just a great football guy to right. have for Bryce Absolutely. Young. The running backs are solid. Really solid. You get Miles Sanders from the Eagles come over, coming over from free agency. Uh, the wide receiver room is uh, iffy, but they did draft Jonathan Mingo like with Mingo. pick 39 in this year's draft out of Ole Miss. He's 6'2", 220, and he ran a 4'4'6", Johnny. Uh, they did add Adam Thielen <laughs> in free agency. Uh, they have DJ Chark, LaVishka Chenault, and then, of course, Terrence Marshall Jr. You know I love Thielen. The tight end room consists of Hayden Hurst, Ian Thomas, and Tommy Trimble. You know, they were 7-10 and 10 last year with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold under center. I feel like uh, Bryce Young's an upgrade between those guys. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're going to have our ranking show in the future, but I feel like he is a, a real viable starter uh, in all formats, whatever league you're in. He's going to be one of the 10 or 12 starting quarterbacks, I feel like, in your fantasy leagues. He might be somebody that you stash away, maybe as like a QB2 sure. with upside. Sure. Here's my hot take, Johnny. We just went over the Carolina Panthers. They've got a great defense. They have studs at every level on their defense. With the addition of Bryce Young, the Panthers will win the NFC South. <laughs> that is a scorching hot take, my guy. But I will admit the division is more open than it's ever been. I feel like Carr's probably going to get it figured out in NOLA, but maybe not. I do think Young, though, is going to outshine every single quarterback in this draft class. This podcast is sponsored by Brothers and Cards. We are a sports cards company committed to glorifying God and loving others through the sports cards hobby. Whether you're trying to rip packs, join breaks, or add to your collection, we got you covered. Go follow us on Instagram at Brothers and Cards and check out our subscription box at brothersandcards.com. We're ready for topic number two for today's podcast, and we're going to be talking about the other quarterbacks that were drafted and whether or not they're busts. So obviously from our previous segment, we believe in Bryce Young, if he can stay upright. But let's take a look at the other three. It was clear and obvious who the number one overall pick would be to us, despite the smoke clouds sent up by the media and the Will Levis debacle. The Panthers traded away a fortune to get the top spot, but from there, the draft really started in my opinion. Houston took C.J. Stroud. And then, and then Will Anderson, like immediately after a while. Wild. Yeah. Wild. 
Here's what you need to know about C.J. Stroud. He torched a historically good Georgia defense in the college football playoff semifinal game. That might be like the best defense we've seen. He torched him. It might be the best defense we've ever seen. He was 23 of 34. He threw four touchdown passes, zero picks, Johnny. He also ripped off a huge 27-yard run in the final minute of the game that nearly put the Ohio State offense in field goal range. Stroud has a huge arm, and he has great downfield accuracy. He doesn't run the ball too much, but like I said, he's shown the ability to do so, especially in clutch times. He compiled a 69.3 completion percentage in 25 collegiate starts. Solid. Now, the NFL, it seems to be trending away from true pocket passers, but that is what the Texans got in C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think about pocket passers and true pocket passers, the Peyton Manning's and the Tom Brady's. Like, Stroud's not that. He's way more athletic than those guys. Um, But, yeah, his style of play is that of a prototypical pocket passing quarterback. Um, You know, Stroud's been an interesting guy for me. Uh, I write a lot of articles on our website, brothersandcars.com, talking about college quarterbacks, and I've had him in the top three most of the time. The last season I went month by month, and he actually had a terrible November, a real rough streak against some lesser teams, and then he absolutely blew it against Michigan. Um, in, the, in one of my blogs, I, I wrote about my top five quarterbacks, and he wasn't in it. He was actually number six that Dang. month. Yeah, people were upset about it. I got a lot of flack on Instagram. But, uh, I mean, in that month, he really struggled. I definitely did not expect the performance that we saw against Georgia. Um if, if that is the Stroud, if the Georgia Stroud is what we're going to see at Houston, then uh, they have they have to be excited about the future. Um, as far as his weapons go, the rumor is that John Mechie III is looking better than he did before last year's draft. Um, yeah, huge. And, and, and then he got a true weapon in former Last Chance U guy, Nathaniel Tank Dell, who Stroud vouched for the Texas front office after he got picked. He said, you know, I, I want this guy. They drafted him. Um, I mean, Dell led college football in receiving yards last year, and he was second in receptions. There could be some solid chemistry developing there. Um, as long as we don't see those November struggles, I think Stroud was definitely worth the number two overall pick. Comparisons are, are, are they're, they're, they're kind of funny. You know, um, they can be fun. Uh, but to me, C.J. Stroud was like Geno Smith, Dak Prescott. Um, I, I think at his floor, he's like a Geno Smith. And at his ceiling, I think he's more of a Dak Prescott, you know. Uh, I think that we here at um, Week 15 Podcast, we are drafting C.J. Stroud in all formats. Um, he's a QB, too, for me, but he's worth picking up, especially if you can get him late. Absolutely. They're, they're invested in him. They're not putting Davis Mills back out there. Next up, Johnny, Ugh, your Colts. Oh, come on. Your Colts, they draft Anthony Richardson. I'm going to defer to you on this because I know you'll have some spice. <laughs> Dude, what were we? We are sitting there watching the draft. And Together. I said uh, – they said the Colts pick, and I said, not Anthony Richardson. And sure enough, Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida Gators. Here's what I'll say about Anthony Richardson. He has Shane Steichen, and he has incredible athleticism. He's six foot four, 244 pounds, and he ran a 4-4-3 40-yard dash. That's fast. He broke the QB combine record for vertical at 40 and a half inches, but a 54.7 completion percentage with 24 TD passes, 15 picks. Here's where it gets good for Richardson fans. He racked up over 1,100 rushing yards and 12 TDs. (laughs) Bro, Lord help us, man. I love my team. I hope I'm super wrong about Anthony Richardson. I hear what you're saying. I've been saying this whole time that he has the highest ceiling 
I just hope my Colts don't draft him. That's kind of just like how I felt about that. I'm, I, I'm not sure if there's any Hall of Fame quarterbacks out there that uh, needed a super fast 40 um, or, you know, the body that he's got. I, you know, I'm excited to watch him play. But, uh, you know, to me, a top 10 pick needs to be a lock. And I have a lot of questions. Looking at the stat lines, I see a solid game against Utah in week one. Then I see a disaster of a season after that. My Florida buddies are telling me that, you know, the problem was coaching. And I'm sure that was a factor, but 54.7% completion percentage, that's awful. That's awful at that level. Uh, it took a lot of sacks. I don't know, man. I'm an optimistic person, but I was shocked and disappointed when we drafted him. Like I told you right before the draft, I think Anthony Richardson might be the most sure bust since Josh Rosen. And uh, then my team drafted him. He's not even throwing two TDs per one INT. I know, man. However, we all know that QB rushing yards are a cheat code in fantasy. So let's give him an NFL comp. Again, this is just a fun thing. I think he's a Cam Newton-Jalen Hurts hybrid. Uh, you ready for my hot take, Johnny? Let's hear it. If he is the, the day one starter or he starts relatively early in the year, I am saying that Anthony Richardson will finish as a top 12 fantasy quarterback next year. I'm drafting him ahead of all of the quarterbacks that we're going to be talking about today because of that rushing upside. And I think he and Pittman will have a great uh, connection and a lot of success. I think I think that's a real hot take, bro. I mean, I, I that's what I'm here for. I, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, but my hot take, I guess, would be that Gardner Minshew is going to start most of the season. Uh, I know AR-15 is a shiny new toy, but Ballard's seat could not be hotter. Throwing Richardson out there before he's ready is a death sentence for both of their careers. In his final, final game at Florida, he completed 33% of his passes against Florida State. He ain't ready yet, man. He ain't ready yet. And Gardner Minshew looked like, uh, you know, the best, if not, you know, top three backups in the league last year. He looked like he can handle a starting job. I think we use him as a bridge to Anthony Richardson. I don't think you're going to see very much AR-15 this year. I hope you're right. I really do. But I just don't know how you take him in the first round at number four and don't use him. On our quarterback list today is Will Levis falling to the second round. Man, I've been saying since September that Will Levis is not a first-round quarterback. I've got probably four articles on our blog at brothersandcars.com where I mention um, that he took too many sacks to be considered as a first-round quarterback. Um, you know, he just he just takes too many sacks, and his gameplay isn't near as impressive as his stature is. Um, he, he had the second most uh, – 37 sacks, man. That's a lot. Second most out of all draft-eligible quarterbacks. Mel Kuyper Jr. shouted from the rooftops that Malik Willis was the best quarterback in the draft last year despite being sacked more than anyone else. He insisted that that didn't matter. I'm telling you, man, they matter. Sacks matter to scouts, and they matter to coaches. It's a wasted play. Man, it's it's just, I mean, it's not a turnover, but it's a negative play. And, and when you have that many negative plays, it's a problem. Um, shocker, Malik Willis fell to the third round last year. Levis fell to the second round for the same reason. Apparently, the Titans don't care about sacks either because they drafted both of them. Um, I've also heard that Levis had like a toe injury that may be significant enough to require surgery down the road. I don't know. I feel bad for the guy. Me too, man. I mean, it sucks watching him sit there. I, in my opinion, he should have never been, um, you know, invited to New York unless they had like concrete, you know, intel that said that he was going to be drafted in the first round because like the, I, I, I didn't believe it. The cameras just kept panning to Brutal. him and I was like, oh my gosh, Brutal. this is so difficult to watch. Brutal. So Will Levis to me is very interesting. He's built like a brick house. He's six foot four, two twenty nine. He didn't run the 40 at the Combine, but if I was to guess watching the tape, he's like a mid 4-6 guy. But he does have arguably one of the best arms in this year's draft. 
The knock on Levis is that he sometimes misses bunnies because he has trouble taking just a touch off of his throw. He had a disappointing final year at Kentucky, but he did light it up the year before. If you if you really look at it, he did not have the best offensive line or the best weapons at his disposal, uh, but he still made Kentucky football worth watching. Uh, Will Levis beat Anthony Richardson last year. He had a decent game against number one Georgia. Although they did lose the game, he was 20 for 31, 206 yards, one TD, one pick. Without Levis last year, Kentucky stinks, and they don't compete in the SEC. Now he gets to sit behind Ryan Tannehill, and unlike the other three guys, I don't think he'll have to go out week one. This is a good thing. That is a good thing. He can just sit sit behind Tannehill, learn the system, learn what it means to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, and I think, honestly, he may end up having a very solid NFL career down the road. If we want to do NFL comparisons, uh, this is kind of a fun one because I love Jay Cutler. And he kind of has the body type of Josh Allen. Um, as far as fantasy goes, if your league has like a very, very big roster or a taxi squad, I think I'm taking a flyer on Levis just, you know, for the future. Um, but if you're doing redraft or something like that, he is off my board. I will say this, you know, Levis has fallen into one of the better opportunities. You have a championship coach who is seasoned well at this point. Um, you have one of the best running backs we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Hopefully, King Henry. Yeah, hopefully they uh, get some receivers for him, but the defense is sure to keep things close every game. Tano has a hot seat and an injury history. Um, Levis may benefit pretty well from his destination. Fellas, truth bomb here. Listen, your girl likes flowers. It's true. She may say she doesn't, but she does. Your mom does too. She likes flowers, man. Make the woman in your life feel special this Mother's Day by getting the best of the best at the Jefferson House of Flowers in Kokomo. The girls in there are up to date on the latest trends and will make sure you earn your brownie points. Call 765-452-8269 to order. They'll save all your information so it's even easier next time. Again, that's 765-452-8269. Your girl's worth it. We are super excited about topic number three, which is wide receivers and running backs that may be relevant to fantasy this year. Fantasy football is about two things, talent and opportunity. When it comes to rookies, this is no different. But when you're evaluating and projecting rookies, there's also another key factor, and that's draft stock. What did the team spend to get their guy? Skill positions drafted early will get an opportunity, plain and simple. That's why they were drafted. This is especially true with wide receivers. Guys, I'm telling you, every single GM thinks this way. You, you invest early picks in quarterbacks, maybe sometimes linemen that you think are going to be long-term players, but you spend early picks for talent. The conversation about how many touches and packages these early-round receivers are going to have, that conversation started before the combine. Every single one of these first-round receivers will start unless they just absolutely bomb in camp. So let's start with the running backs first, Johnny. Uh, running backs rarely get drafted early in today's NFL. That's why when it happens, we, as fantasy managers, need to pay attention. Facts. Here's a fun fact for you. Of the top 12 running backs in fantasy football last year, eight of them were drafted after the first round of their respected drafts. This year, we got to see six running backs taken in the first three rounds, and that's kind of where you draw the line as far as draft stock goes. We have B. John Robinson going in the first round to the Falcons, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama to the Lions, Zach Charbonnet 
He was with Michigan and then uh, transferred to UCLA. He went in the second round to the Seahawks. You get Kendra Miller from TCU in the third round to the Saints. Ty J. Spears from Tulane in the third round to the Titans. Devin A. Chain from Texas A&M, third round to the Dolphins. And Tank Bigsby, Auburn, third round to the Jaguars. Obviously, Bijan will make an instant fantasy contribution. We will find out how high we are drafting him once our projections come out. But the Falcons draft Robinson with the eighth overall pick. The Falcons are a team with a lot of needs, and I thought that was very high for Robinson. But remember what we say about skill guys taken early. Robinson will get a lot of work this year. Absolutely. Arthur Smith has always had a great running game, going back to his days coaching King Henry. And then last year, let's not forget about Tyler Algier. He was a fifth-round pick, and he ran for over 1,000 yards in his rookie campaign with the Falcons. Bijan to the moon. Man, I couldn't agree more. Uh, for Arthur Smith to make a decision like this, he wants Derrick Henry back. I guarantee Henry's name was swirling around the Falcons' office as they were talking about who they were going to pick. Uh, that is the ceiling for Bijan in Arthur Smith's eyes, and seeing what he did with Tyler Algier, we should be considering that ceiling too. On to the Detroit Lions drafting Jameer Gibb at number 12 overall. Before we dig into Gibbs, Johnny, why did Detroit dislike DeAndre Swift so much? Let's quickly go over the Lions' offseason in the running back room. They lose Jamal Williams to free agency, which, by the way, vacated 262 carries in the Lions' offense. They signed David Montgomery to a fairly substantial contract, three years, $18 million, with $11 million guaranteed. So in my head, I'm thinking they've got their one-two punch back from last year. Montgomery and Swift would have been a great duo. Then they draft Jameer Gibbs in the first round. Like, what? I watched every single episode of Hard Knocks last year. They were so clear about how good they thought DeAndre Swift was. But he was clearly a guy that needed his butt padded and needed to be motivated. Dan Campbell ain't that dude. Deuce Staley, the running back coach there, he's not that dude either. Uh, Jamal Williams had way more drive and way more heart than DeAndre Swift did. Uh, that was clear in the show, and it was clear in the workload shares. Williams really isn't that athletic, but the motor was impressive, and that got it done. Uh, I believe that's what they see in Gibbs. I really think Gibbs and Swift are comparable talent-wise. Both are exceptionally fast and athletic. Both protect the ball. I think the Lions believe they got Williams' motor in Swift's body. They had so much draft capital that they were able to reach for a guy if they loved him, and they loved Gibbs. I think we're going to see the same two-back system in Detroit that we saw last year, just upgraded both backs. No, I definitely think you're right. And let's keep in mind that if you take Bijan Robinson out of this draft, Gibbs is far and away the best running back in the class. He'll definitely make an instant impact on a great uh, Lions offense. Uh, he's a three-down running back. I'm not sure how Dan Campbell plans to use him, but that's definitely his profile. Great runner, great hands out of the backfield. I think when our projections come out, he'll be a top 24 guy. I think the hands out of the backfield is a big piece. David Montgomery is more of an in-between-the-tackles kind of guy. Um, Gibbs is going to give him that special aspect where he can come out of the backfield and make big plays. Uh, moving on to the rest of these guys, they're probably going to be they're, they're probably going to start the season in a backup role, right? Uh, Zach Charbonnet, he's extremely talented, has a great highlight film, but he's going to be relieving Ken Walker. Kendra Miller, who tore it up at TCU, he's going to be behind Alvin Kamara and previously mentioned Jamal Williams. Ty J. Spears will join Hassan Haskins backing up King Henry. Devin A. Chain will start the year behind Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. And then Tank Bigsby will back up Travis Etienne. All of these guys are draft draftable to me in deeper leagues, or if your league has a taxi squad, but they're waiting for an injury, and in some cases, they're waiting for two injuries.
fact, fun, 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 fun fact, fun fact, fun, fun facts. fact, fun facts, fun facts. I have been struck by lightning. And I have a rock in my head. Wait, 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 wait. You've been struck by lightning? Yes, I have. When I was in college. We don't have time for it right now, but I'll share sometime. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at week15podcast. All right. Let's move on to the wide receivers that we believe will be valuable in fantasy right away. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Jonathan Mingo, Jaden Reed, and Rasheed Rice. My favorite and highest graded wide receiver in the class could not have gone to a better landing spot. Quentin Johnston lands with the Chargers, and I think he's going to set the league on fire. We might as well just wear another uh, Mike Williams shirt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Our love for his new QB, Justin Herbert, is well documented, and he now has three elite weapons at his disposal. Johnston is everything you look for in a raw wide receiver. Size, explosiveness, and yards after the catch. Draft Johnston, plain and simple. And I'll add this. you know, I, I love Max Duggan from TCU. Um, his competitiveness, his grit, his heart. But he was kind of a he was a below average passer. Johnston made him look good. He's uh, had some of the drop season sometimes, but he goes and gets the ball. He's a great pick. Um, he's strong. He's hungry. Uh, he's a guy that you want to throw up those those lob balls to. Yeah. Uh, much like Johnston, uh, JSN joins an elite wide receiver room in Seattle. Very much. He is a very shifty slot guy who is a master route runner, and he knows how to get open. The knock on JSN is that uh, his top end speed and his size. Definitely a guy that I'm drafting if he slides into the later rounds of fantasy leagues this year. I think Seattle's the perfect fit for him. Uh, He's supremely talented, and he's going to be the third option there, I believe. He didn't get to play as much last season um, due to some injuries, but he has plenty of time to adjust to the NFL. Geno Smith is one of the most accurate QBs we we have seen last year. Um, JSN can get open and haul it in. He may be the best wide receiver three in fantasy football next year if he doesn't get the wide receiver two job from Tyler Lockett. And uh, moving on, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens use Zay Flowers. He's a smaller guy, uh, but in college he ran two-thirds of his route from the outside. I definitely think he profiles as an NFL slot, uh, but we're going to have to see how the Ravens utilize his talent. He's better without the ball in his hands, if that makes any sense. He's explosive early in his routes and gets open with what looks to be ease, but he's less explosive late in the route. With Lamar locked up and having a flock of new receivers, see what I did there? I think Flowers is worth drafting um, if his cost is right. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from the Flowers conversation. He's not a guy I looked in a ton to. Um, It seemed like a reach to me, but I don't know if about him to make that call. We'll see how it goes. Johnny, we're friends, right? Sure. So what you're going to get in this show is going to be unique because Johnny (laughs) and I, we're not always going to agree, and that's going to be okay. So we're going to move on to Jordan Addison. He lands with the Minnesota Vikings, and he's very interesting to me. He had outstanding stats in college, but honestly, I'm concerned that his game won't translate well to the NFL. He only weighs 170 pounds, and his athleticism score was just flat out bad. Now, I do think he'll have success because of where he landed. The Vikings let Adam Thielen walk, and I think Addison will step right in. But I think his ceiling is relatively low. I'm capping my expectations, and he's nothing more than a late-round flyer to me. Yeah, I definitely disagree here. I, I had Addison as my wide receiver one uh, in this class. I love his fit in Minnesota with my guy Kirk. Um, he does have some negatives, like you said. I mean, he's small. He's had some bad drops, and his combine numbers were uh, less than impressive. Rough, uh, Johnny. They were rough. <laughs> for sure. Um, but, like, dude, he flies, man. He, he flies down the seams. Uh, you know, I think he's, he's faster than his numbers showed. Um, he plays fast. He plays great just verticals, like, and, and, and he takes the top off defense. Um, you look at his game tape, you know, he's never going to be an outside guy in the NFL, but his skill set makes him dangerous in the slot. 
Here's what I love most about Addison. He was a high-volume guy in Pittsburgh, hauling in 94. Yeah, I think it was 94 catches, averaging 15.9 yards per catch, which is, like, insane at that volume. If you go and look at guys that have high catches, it's usually not averaging that much. Um, that was good enough for Lincoln Riley to bring him on board with Caleb Williams. Addison continued to make, uh, you know, the use of that position, take the top off of the slot, and uh, average 14.8 yards per catch. Think about a situation in Minnesota. Everyone is going to be playing two safeties against Kirk. And one of those safeties will always have Justin Jefferson responsibilities. Add in that Kevin O'Connell may be one of the best offensive minds in football. The potential for Jordan Addison is going to be huge. I'll be drafting him in every league I can. You know I go after my Vikings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Moving on to previously mentioned Jonathan Mingo, who goes to the Panthers in the second round at pick 39. Mingo is a human highlight reel. He's a big, solid guy, 6'2", 220. And I believe he'll be playing on the outside of Frank Reich's offense. This guy has major upside and should get early rapport with fellow rookie Bryce Young. I like Mingo in the middle to late rounds of drafts, and I think he will have a solid rookie year. Yeah, you know, I said Addison was my number one wide receiver in this class. I think Mingo was my personal favorite. Um, He's a true possession receiver, which is what you need for a rookie quarterback. Uh, He's one of the strongest wide receivers in this class physically. He tested very well at the Combine. Where he is lacking in speed, he makes up in aggression. I like Mingo a lot. I, I, I wouldn't use any high picks on him, but I am excited to see how him and Young develop together. And moving on to Jaden Reed, who goes to the Packers at pick 50. Randall Cobb follows Rodgers to the Jets, and they slide Reed right in. Reed isn't a big guy by any means, but he makes up for it with elite explosiveness and burning 4-4-5 speed. We're going to get a great look into the Packers' future this season with Jordan Love under center, and I like Reed's fit into a need of the Packers. But he's more – he's – not much more than a late-round fantasy flyer to me in his rookie year. Yeah, all I can say is go Spartans, and uh, I'm not sold on Jordan Love, so I don't know. We'll see. Moving on, Rasheed Rice uh, should step right into to some fantasy production with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, not a better landing spot that I can think no. of. <laughs> uh, the departure of Juju Smith-Schuster and Meikle Harbin could uh, open the door for Rice. The Chiefs spread the ball around a lot, but if Rice can come into camp and show off his alpha my ball, uh, skills that he has, he could make, he could splash onto the scene. I'm confidently drafting him in later rounds with huge upside potential. Yeah, hey Patrick, you want the receiver that was third in the nation in receiving yards last year? You know, I think Mahomes is excited about this pick. You know, adding the fact that he's six one, two hundred pounds, and an absolute playmaker. I honestly don't look that much. I, I didn't look that much into Rice pre-draft, but I will always take a second look at Mahomes' receiver list. The Chiefs got a steal in Rice, and I plan on getting a steal in him in my fantasy team. Uh, incredible opportunity for this dude. All right, we are moving into topic number four, sleepers for this year and the future. Uh, you know, we live in kind of an information overload society, so the term sleeper is a little outdated, uh, but it's still very popular amongst us fantasy managers. So I'm going to give you names of guys that maybe aren't getting enough hype or aren't talked about enough who I think could surprise people this season and in the future. The 13th wide receiver taken in this year's NFL draft was a man by the name of Michael Wilson. He went in the third round to the Cardinals at pick 94. Michael Wilson is elite. He's everything you want out of an X receiver. He's 6'2", 215, and he ran a 4.5840, which isn't an impressive combine run, but as we know, running half naked inside of a dome is different than with pads on. A little bit. Uh, when you watch Wilson on film, uh, there's no one on the field that he can't outrun. He stops on a dime, and he has great hands. The only reason he fell into the third is because he has durability issues in college. He very well may end up being a steal of the draft for the Cardinals and maybe the steal of your fantasy draft. 
the Cardinals are going to stink this year, Johnny. So they're going to be throwing a lot. They're going to sure. be behind, sure. and they're going to need to be throwing for sure. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty high on Wilson, and I'll take him with my last pick in every single draft, and everybody will look at me funny. Fair. Fair. Makes sense to me. One of my pre-draft sleepers got picked by my own team. I really like Josh Downs from North Carolina. Homer pick. Hey, that's all right. That's all right. He's only 5'9 and 171, but uh, he ran a 4'4", 840. Um, he started out pretty high on the mainstream draft boards and slowly fell as hype circled around some of the others. Watching his tape, his field awareness stands out to me. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a big weapon for Sh- for Shane Steichen. Um, and the fact that he's coming in with fellow rookie Anthony Richardson will be a factor. I- I've already heard reports that they're getting along great. They went out and threw uh, in the hotel parking lot the night before working camp. I yeah. like that. I know I'm not huge on Richardson, but I love that they're they're starting that rapport as soon as possible. Um, you know, everyone fawned over Drake May last year, but Josh Downs was a huge piece of that, snagging 94 catches. Uh, which is sixth in college football of May's 342 completions. He was a thousand yard receiver and found the end zone 11 times. I like the pick. I may not draft him, you know, high this year, but he's someone I'll be watching down the stretch throughout the season. And, and you know what? His, uh, his week 15 matchup is going to mean something to me. Yeah. Um, next, next up, my beloved bears draft Rashawn Johnson in the fourth round with uh, the 115th overall pick. <laughs> Uh, for those that don't know, Rashawn Johnson was the backup to previously mentioned B. John Robinson at Texas. And this is not all that uncommon. Just keep, right. it, just keep in mind the never-ending supply of Alabama yep. running I mean, backs. There's been two guys drafted Alabama. Had Bijan not been at Texas, Johnson would have been a star. Uh, he only had 93 carries, but he turned, out, he turned that into 554 yards and five TDs last season at Texas. That's almost six yards a carry, Johnny. That's, that's man. <laughs> he is six foot, 219 pounds. Football. Six yards a carry. <laughs> he's six foot, 219 pounds, just an absolute unit of a running back. Uh, he's not a, the kind of guy that's going to take the top off for an 80-yard run, uh, but he's going to be the running back that goes out there and gets you those chunk plays. Sure. 12, Third and one 13. that you yeah. Uh, and like you say, if, if third, fourth, and one, he's your guy. Um. He goes to a team uh, in the Bears that definitely need him with the exit of David Montgomery. They do have Khalil Herbert, um, but he does have fresh legs. Um, he was Means a backup. A I mean, that's valuable. Yeah, he's not he's not coming in with the wear and tear of some of these other guys. Um, he may be kind of a late round flyer taxi squad guy for me this year, um, but I'm definitely going to keep my eye on him. And I would I would say too like. You know, Khalil Herbert proved himself, but he didn't prove to be like no one's taking my job good. No, and they they need a banger. Yeah, I mean, like this is a great opportunity for Johnson. Guys, that's gonna do it for our first episode of the Week 15 podcast. Our man, next that was so much fun. It was, man. It's fun hanging out with you, talking football, talking this little microphone here. It's good stuff. Nothing better. <laughs> our next episode will be after the 2023 NFL schedule is released on May 11th. I can't wait to dive into what Week 15 actually looks like. That's when the playoffs start. That's why we started this podcast. Week 15 is going to be fun. Uh, that's, that's when listening to this podcast is really going to pay off. Can't wait to get it going. See you all next time.